Okay, good morning everybody. Welcome to breakfast in a class. Again, the rabbi will uh, list all of the list all of the dedications uh, later on. Uh, we, read, we read on Shavuot, we have a custom to read Megillat Ruth. It's interesting, some communities, they meet, read Megillat Ruth from a scroll. We have a custom, we read Megillat Ruth, especially when not in Eretz Israel. we read it over the two days. We read the Azharot, uh, which is a poem listing the 613 commandments. We read half of it on uh, this year on Friday, and half of it we read on Shabbat afternoon before Mincha, with half of Ruth each day. Now, who wrote uh, Megillat Ruth? We say Megillat Ruth was written by Shmuel Hanavi, Samuel the prophet. And why did he write? Why did he write Megillat Ruth? So we know that Samuel was the one. Shmuel Hanavi was the one who anointed David Hamelech to be the king. And basically, the Book of Ruth is the background history of the king. But it's very strange because you would think when someone's going to promote the king. They're going to show a background of them coming from this great source. You know, think of Greek mythology, you know. He was the, the son of Zeus or the, this, some greatness of greatness. So they're going to go back that, you know, they pulled the, the, the sword out of the rock. And therefore, so they're going to come up with these incredible stories about their, uh, their heritage. Who their father was, who their grandfather is. They came from greatness and greatness and greatness. Yet with David HaMelech, what are we doing? We're telling the story of Ruth HaMoaviyah. We're telling the story of Ruth, who's coming from Moab. And the question was, even in the lifetime of David HaMelech, whether David HaMelech was legitimate because he was a descendant of Ruth. Because the Torah tells us you're not allowed to marry a, a descendant of Moab, ever. Through Tanger, you can't marry them. Why? Because when we left Egypt, we wanted to get some water, anything on the road to help us. And instead, what did, the Moab, what did the Moabites do? They didn't give us anything. And some opinion is they gave us salty fish. Why salty fish? So we should be thirsty and not have water and be even more desperate. And why is it so terrible? Because who is Moab? Moab is descended from Lot. Lot is the nephew of Abraham Avinu. And when Lot was taken captive by the, the four kings, when they were fighting the five kings, who went to save Lot? Abraham. So Moab is our cousin. They should have hakarat hatov to the children of Abraham for being saved. And instead, what do they do? They don't give us anything. Therefore, because they lack complete hospitality, they lack chesed, we don't connect with them at all. So the question was, can, can, can Boaz even marry Ruth? And the Bet Din at the time of Boaz said yes. But the question still wasn't resolved. There was a debate over the next three generations. And it's only resolved in the time of Shmuel HaNavi, where he writes the book of Ruth to say this is fine. But the strange thing is, where does Ruth come from, Moab? Where does Moab come from? If we remember the story, now you're going to want to tell, this is my king, I'm going to tell the story. This is my king and the Mashiach, the Messiah, this is where he comes from. He comes from Sedom. What do you mean he comes from Sidon? Lot and his daughters, Lot had five daughters. One daughter was trying to help people and she was killed by the people of Sidon. This was the cry that Hashem heard. The opinion of the Arizal is Ruth is actually Gilgul of this daughter who was killed for trying to help the poor in Sidon. He had four other, four other daughters, two who were married who didn't leave with him and two who were unmarried who left with him. 
So what happens is the angels come, they're going to destroy the city. And what happens is Lot leaves the city with his two daughters and his wife. His wife turns around, she turns into a pillar of salt. And the only ones to leave now are Lot and his two daughters. They leave and they come to a cave. And they see the whole valley up in flames. It was a beautiful, beautiful valley which became now the Dead Sea, where the Dead Sea is. Nothing there. They assumed... The world was destroyed. They assume, just like in the time of Noah, that only Noah was left with his family. At this point, there are only three people left alive in this world. Who are they? Lot and his two daughters. And his two daughters think to themselves, what are we going to do? There has to be a future. Even though it's a horrible thing for us to think to be with our father, there has to be a future. And each of them, one night, then the next night, sleeps with their father... The first one has a baby and she calls him Moab, from my father. The next one calls the baby Amon, from my people. And you would think also, why would they name such names? And the other question is, it said that they plied their father with wine during the night in order to get him drunk to sleep with them. The question is this, you just ran out of Sedom. The angels are rushing you out. You're running out with a bag on your back. Who has time to look through the wine cellar and see, I'm taking the, the 62 and the... What, what does that mean? Where did they get the wine? Where did they get the wine from? They're in a cave. Where did they get the wine? And the rabbis tell us that an angel put the wine there. Hashem put the wine there because Hashem wanted this to happen. He wanted it to happen that a daughter should sleep with her father to bring... To bring the Mashiach? What's going on? Next crazy story we have of the origins of the Mashiach. The Mashiach has to come, David HaMelech has to come from the tribe of Yehuda. Yehuda has three sons. What happens? His first son marries a beautiful girl. Her name is Tamar. And what happens to the son? He doesn't want his wife to get pregnant because he wants her to stay beautiful. So he spills his seed and what happens to him as a punishment? He dies. Then Yehuda has a second son who's going to go through Yibum and marry Tamar so that she should bring a soul for her, for, her, her, for, for her first husband, for his brother. And what does he do? I don't want to bring a soul for my brother. I'm not going to. So he says, what is, we have Onanism from his name Onan. He did it uh, the other way so that she wouldn't be pregnant. And what happens to him? Hashem kills him. There's a third son, Shelah. It's interesting, his name is Shelah, meaning he belongs to her. And what happens? Yehuda says, this is a black widow. Two of my kids marry her, both die. I don't want to give the third son. He says to her, wait, he's still young. Don't do it. She realizes it's never going to happen. And the Torah tells us something crazy. She dresses up as a harlot. She goes on to the corner post of the road. And her father-in-law walks by. He walks by and he continues to go. He's not going to stop with the prostitute. What is he going to do? And it says, all of a sudden, he goes back. What do you mean he goes back? And it's interesting. The words used are very similar to the donkey with Bil'am. When the donkey turns to the side, it's a similar wording to to Yehuda turning to the side. Why does the donkey turn to the side? Because the angel is in front of him. Why does Yehuda go back? Because Hashem sent an angel to push Yehuda that he should go be with her. 
He has no money. He offers her to, instead of money, he leaves her with his uh, his signet ring, his staff, and his his uh, his uh, coat, whatever his uh, cloak. Thank you. And what happens? He sleeps with her. He goes back home. He tells his servant, "Do me a favor. Go pay the girl." Goes back to find that there is no girl. They ask the people, "Where's the prostitute that works this corner?" There is no prostitute. He doesn't want to. Says, "You know what?" Let's keep our mouths shut. We don't want to make more of a trouble. Finds out a few months later, his daughter-in-law is pregnant. How did she get pregnant? She has to wait for Shelah. She's not allowed to be with anyone. So they bring her to burn her at the stake. He's sitting there and he sees they're going to burn her at the stake. And they say, what happened? She doesn't want to say, she doesn't want to say it was him. She doesn't want to accuse anyone. She just brings the signet ring, the staff and the cloak. She says, that's how I got pregnant. Yehuda gets up in front of the court. He could have burned her at the stake. He could have said, forget it, kept the matter quiet. Instead, he says, she is more righteous than me. Why does Mashiach have to come from such a crazy story that the Mashiach has to come with a guy sleeping with his daughter-in-law? It doesn't make any sense. Now let's keep going. We have the whole story of Ruth. Ruth now, her mother-in-law, sends her to go to the fields. And now she tells the mother-in-law, I went to Boaz's field. Good, Boaz is a guy who's going to be the Goel. What happens? She sends him back to go to the field. She says, go tonight. Tonight they're going to sleep in the field. They're going to sleep in the field. So, and what do I do? What do I do, mother-in-law? What should I do? He's going to lie down in the field in the middle of the night, put on your most beautiful dress, put on your makeup, put on your perfume, and lie down next to him in the middle of the field. What? Could you imagine? My daughter's going to go on a date. I found you a beautiful boy. He's going camping on Tuesday night. Go Tuesday night to the camping where he's going to be and lie down next to him. What is this? How could we say this? And this is what she does. And he says, wait. He says, wait. All of this is from Hashem. And the question is why? And we see it's from Hashem because what happens the next day? The next day he tells her that night, he says, I can't marry you until the other guy will marry you. The other guy is... Tov, the uncle. And what happens? The next day he sees Tov on the road. He sees Tov on the road and he sees Tov and then all of a sudden he works out the deal. He marries her that day. And that night they, they have their uh, wedding night. And what happens the next morning to Boaz? He dies. <coughs> Boaz is a very, very old man. She's already 40. Her husband's been dead 10 years or so. She never got pregnant with her husband. Now she sleeps with an old, old man. She's already a little older. The one night she sleeps with him. And what does it say? Hashem made her pregnant. So you see, all of this, all of this is Hashem. All of this is Hashem uh, organizing. All of this is Hashem organizing to bring the Mashiach. And the question... (laughs) The question is, why is Hashem organizing this in this way to bring the Mashiach? And that's why the rabbis say, where was the Mashiach hiding? The Mashiach is hiding in Sidon. But why does the Mashiach have to come in such a strange way? And it's very, very difficult to understand. But the rabbis say that Hashem had to hide the Mashiach from the dark side. From the Satan. The Satan is holding the Mashiach captive. But what does that mean? And why does it have to come in such a strange way? And I believe it has to come in such a strange way. I started to think about it. And, I, and someone asked me the question, because we did this class years and years and years. 
But it's bothering me still. Why in such a strange way? Why through the daughter sleeping with her, with her father? Why the daughter-in-law sleeping with her father-in-law? Why with Ruth sleeping next to him in the, in the field? Why does this way, why do we have to hide such a way to bring the spark of the Mashiach? Everything was done according to Allah. Yeah, of course. But but still, it's yeah. no. But he's, she slept. The, the, yeah. She still slept with her father. Okay. We have all these things. It's not but so it's simple. Hashem made it all happen. Yeah. It's obvious. Hashem put the wine. Yeah. Hashem sent him back. Hashem did everything to make it happen. But the question is why? And I believe that we have to realize in this world, everything has to be fifty-fifty. So the deal with. Satan, whatever you want to call it, Samachmem, the dark side, is everything has to be 50-50. You always have to have an equal choice 50-50. If you're going to bring a neshama of the Mashiach, you're going to bring a neshama that's a very holy neshama into this world, the, the dark side is going to say, hey, it's not 50-50 anymore. You're going to bring a neshama of David HaMelech, the dark side is going to say, it's not 50-50, it's not balanced. I don't want to accept it, it's not fair. So what does it do? The dark side is holding that soul and it's your neck from that soul. It's nourishing from it to get the dark side saying, no, it's not going out. So Hashem says, how are we going to get it out? We have to get it out in a way that the Satan agrees. The Satan sees a father sleeping with his daughter. <laughs> it's good. Let it go. A father-in-law sleeping with his daughter-in-law who's dressing like a prostitute. What good could come of this? Let it go. A woman who's already a Moabite coming to lie down in the field next to someone else, let it go. And there's the way that the, the, the spark comes out. The spark has to come out in a hidden way in order to keep the balance, but in order that the Satan has to agree to allow that the balance comes out. That allows that, because this is over, over, overgoing the balance. There's not a balance anymore. And sometimes you have to do things in a way that you fool the Satan, you fight with the Satan, you argue the Satan in order to bring these things into reality. So it's strange that Shmuel HaNavi is going to make us read and write this Megillah to read on Shavuot, the birth of David. And we should know that the birth of David, look where David comes from and look what David achieves. David is coming from Moab. Ruth is coming from Moab. It says that Ruth is a tikkun for the daughter of Lot because she lies down next to Boaz but nothing happens that night. She's the tikkun for the daughter of Lot. And it says, what happens now through that? You see, she's chesed. She does everything opposite of what Moab should be. Look how she is with her mother-in-law. Look at all of the things that could be. So it shows you, you could come from a garbage heap. You could come from the lowest place in the world. Your source doesn't have to be up here. And everyone has the ability to come from below and achieve the highest, highest level possible. No one could complain and say, you know what? It wasn't because I was born into the right family. David HaMelech's father was the worst idolater. He slept with his, with, with Abraham Avinu's father was the worst idolater. He slept with the mother of Abraham while she was in Nida to make sure that a good soul wouldn't come. Still, Abraham was Abraham. You have, you have Rachel and Leah. They come from Lavan. Le'ah was supposed to marry Esav. In her stars to marry Esav. She cried every night to change her destiny. No matter what we could say, you know, we could say it wasn't in my stars, it wasn't in my upbringing, it wasn't in my parents. We could blame everyone in life. But the message of Megillah, Ruth, is to tell us there's no blaming. No matter where you come from, 
you could achieve the highest level. No matter where you come from, you could be David HaMelech. No matter where you come from, you could be the Mashiach. All of us have the potential, which is unlimited. And we can't have any excuses. There's a story in the Gemara, Rabbi Eliezer ben Dordia. He does the worst, worst things. And in the end of his life, after he says, you know, I had it, he tries to blame the Harim, that's Horim, the mountains. He tries to blame the sun and the moon, the way I was brought up. He tries to blame the stars. It's in my mazal, it's in my, in my destiny. And in the end, he says, Hadavar taluibi. The matter rests with me. And even though he did all of these horrible things, at the end, the, the Gemara calls him, Ribi, Ribi, Rabbi. Why? Because once a person realizes that every potential is in with, within me, that I can do anything in this world, there's nothing there that's going to stop me no matter where I came from, that's the person who could have success. It's the first thing that everyone has to know. Realize no matter where you come from, you can get to the highest levels possible in this world. This is the message of Megillat Ruth. This is the message of Shavuot. We came from slaves in Egypt. And 49 days later, we're with Hashem talking to us. We can relive that on Shavuot. Everyone should have in mind to do their best to connect, to go back to where they were on Har Sinai, not to be the date with the girl, you know, I met you at Sinai, but to go back to Har Sinai to again to receive the Torah and to achieve the highest levels possible. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.